SAFM Sports Wrap. 6.30 it is, SAFM Sports Wrap with you for the next half hour. My name is Brad Brown. Thank you to the MoneyWeb team. Back on uh, Monday following the weekend. Coming up on tonight's show, jam-packed one. It's the start of a brand new Formula One season. And uh, we'll touch base with Natalie LeClue to find out exactly what happened in Australia this morning. We'll chat uh, some rugby with Craig Ray. We'll also take a look at what happened at the Absa Cape Epic with Jeff Ayliff today. And we'll hear from Aslam Kota in a short while about what transpired at Newlands in Cape Town. Day two of the second test between the Proteas, uh, the third test rather, between the Proteas and Australia. I can tell you that the Aussies reached 245 for nine uh, when play was called off due to bad light. They still trail South Africa by 66 runs. In other international cricket news Kane Williamson's 18th test century brightened an otherwise wet and gloomy day as uh, the hosts tightened their grip on the first test against England this morning New Zealand reached 229 for four. That's 171 runs ahead of England with six wickets in hand. Only 23 overs uh, were bowled on the day due to poor weather in the Sunfoil series, uh, still lots of rain about. I can tell you that only one of the matches got underway, and that was the one between the Cape Cobras and the Lions. The Cobras dismissed for 217 in Potchefstroom. The Lions reached 117 for two at Stumps. They trailed by 100 runs with eight wickets in hand. The other two games, not a ball bowled due to inclement weather. Uh, the one at Durban between the Warriors and the Dolphins, and the other one at Supersport Park between the Titans and the Knights. In Super Rugby news, the Bulls went down to the Crusaders in Christchurch by 33 points to 14 this morning after trailing 21-7 at the halftime break. Meanwhile, the Sharks suffered a heavy defeat at the hands of the Rebels, who ran in six tries on their way to a 46-14 win. In soccer news, Latan Ibrahimovic's move to the LA Galaxy from Manchester United has been confirmed by the MLS. Also, lots of uh, international football to look forward to this evening. International friendlies between Germany and Spain, probably the pick of them. England up against the Netherlands away from home as well. And Poland host Nigeria. In Formula One news, Lewis Hamilton fastest in the second free practice ahead of the opening uh, Australian Grand Prix, or the opening Grand Prix of the season in Australia, I should say. Max Verstappen was second fastest with Valtteri Bottas third. And bad news for cycling fans, Mark Cavendish has been forced to withdraw from next week, uh, next month's Commonwealth Games that following a crash at the Milan-San Remo last weekend. Not good news for Team Dimension Data for Quebec. Uh, he has had horrid luck uh, this season and also not great uh, to, to not see him in action at those Commonwealth Games. Coming up next, we'll chat some cricket. SAFM Sports Wrap was another intriguing day at Newlands today. Day two of the third test between the Proteas and Australia, and where there are South Africans. Good times and great food. There's Sunfoil. It's live test cricket action between South Africa and Australia. It's proudly brought to you by Sunfoil. Now we're cooking. Aslam Kota joins us now. Aslam, it was a superb performance by South Africa overall. We scored a couple of extra runs, as we spoke about last night, uh, early this morning, thanks to Kajisa Rabada and Dean Elgar. A superb bowling performance. The only, I think, uh, sort of blot on uh, South Africa's record today was letting the Aussies off the hook slightly towards the end. Exactly. I think you've got it right, because it was uh, mostly South Africa for, for at least 90% of the day. And there was a 45-minute period in which they went completely flat. And uh, it was a vital one because uh, that partnership rattled up 66 runs in 75 balls. And that was between Tim Payne and Nathan Lyon. That did definitely uh, frustrate the South Africans. And Lyon actually 
caught 47 of just 38 balls. He hit eight balls. And uh, he certainly rattled the South African bowlers as well as the captain because uh, they lost the plot, as I said, for a short period uh, towards the close of play. Aslam, there were two uh, things that, that I think need to be mentioned today as well. The first one was, was Dean Elgar carrying his bat uh, for the third time in his career. I think only eight South Africans have ever done that. Uh, and Dean Elgar's done it three times. Uh, he did it in, uh, against India earlier on this summer and did it again against uh, a very good Australian attack. Uh, it's quite phenomenal that uh, he's able to do that. But I think it reflects the, the, the grittiness that he does bat with, the fact that he puts so much value on his, on his wicket. And he's, he's uh, in august company. I mean, in over, what, uh, uh, close to 3,000 test matches, uh, he joined the select band, and I'm just counting them here. Haynes and Alger, three each, and then Hutton, Laurie, uh, Turner, that's Glenn Turner, the Australian, and Bill Woodfall, the old Australian captain, have done it on two occasions. So he certainly reflects wow. his attitude towards the game, and it was uh, very, very valuable from a South African point of view that at least he was there, and the rest of the, uh, the the batsmen could actually bat around him. Absolutely. And let's touch on the other big milestone, Mornay Morkel hitting 300 test wickets uh, today, and you could see how much it meant to him in the celebrations uh, after he got that wicket. Well, I'm going to start by saying that he was good until he got his 300th wicket. <laughs> and then <laughs> it just seemed to go a little awry for him. But uh, look, he's worked hard, he's toiled hard, and uh, he wears his heart on his sleeve. And I think at the end of it, for all of the efforts that he's put in over the years, uh, it's a deserved milestone. The sports South Africans have actually got beyond the 300 mark. So I'm sure he'll, he will enjoy this moment. And uh, he'll hope that this will be part of a winning test match. Because you don't want to achieve milestones when your team doesn't actually win. So uh, good for him. And hopefully that he continues to perform strongly for South Africa in the remaining test as well as the test in Johannesburg. Aslam, it, it, it was, we said it last night that uh, the Proteas need to come out and score some runs this morning. If they could get an extra 50 or 100, uh, it would make a big difference. Uh, Australia sitting in a very similar position tonight where, yes, they've only got one more wicket in hand, but uh, any runs will be, will be valuable. South Africa hoping, I think, to, to pick up that uh, last remaining wicket as quickly as possible to get back in and, and pile on the pressure. Exactly right. This morning, South Africa's uh, last two wickets added 45 runs. Here the difference is South Africa have uh, a lead of 66, a deficit for Australia, and uh, they'll be aiming for that at least to get as close to the South African score as possible. So as you say, there's a possibility because Josh Hazelwood certainly has a heavy hand, and uh, even though he's a tail-ender, does play some good crisp drives and shots, not too different from Kafisa Rabada. And then Tim Payne has batted really well for his 33 runs. And in fact, uh, those partnerships were built around just his seniority with the VAT, and had he not been there, South Africa may well have dismissed these chests for uh, close to the score of 200 instead of being, what, 245 for nine now. As I'm looking ahead to tomorrow, uh, believe it or not, uh, a bit of rain forecast for Cape Town, and uh, boy, do we, do we need it. But do you think it's going to have much of an impact on, on the day's play? I mean, how much rain is actually expected? Well, the thing is they're saying 60% chance, but uh, one never knows if it's uh, over the area of Newlands. So uh, let's hope that they do get rain and that if there is any rain, it's not going to be too much over the ground. But the game has moved quite quickly, quite fast over the two days. We haven't even halfway through the test match. So much to play for. Let's just hope that um, they, they get in as much play as possible because uh, it's been such a closely fought series that uh, you don't want it to end in the draw after all of the efforts that the two teams have put in 
and all of the uh, hype around the two nations that produce such fantastic cricket. So let's just hope that uh, if it does rain, it, it's not going to disrupt play for too long. There was a bit of a nervous moment with Vernon Philander late this afternoon. Uh, he mm. went for a, a spectacular dive for a catch and seemed to, to hurt himself slightly. Is he okay? Is it anything to be, to be concerned about? Well, I'm glad to tell you that he was on the field for at least the last 20 minutes before umpires did call off play. Uh, when he did leave the field, it was a concern. We weren't too sure whether it was actually a whiplash, which was eventually the reason why he left the field. I thought for a, for a while that he was winded because he landed very hard on his chest. And perhaps even that uh, he may have dug his knee into the turf. It was none of that whiplash. But uh, glad that he's actually made it. He was back on the field. The one thing you know about whiplash is, uh, Brad, is that overnight after you've slept on it, you actually get up worse, worse for wear the next morning. So let's just hope that uh, uh, it's not the case for, for, for Vernon Philander in South Africa because, as I said, we're not uh, through this test match yet. Yeah, the good news is uh, hopefully we won't have to do. He won't have to do too much bowling tomorrow, and uh, let's hope that the, the batters can bat for the rest of the day, and he won't be needed, so he can get some time off to to get that sorted out. And then just finally, Aslam, let's let's just touch on yeah. Kakiso Rabada, and uh, obviously playing in in this Test match after he received the suspension and was overturned, he, he put in a, a, a pretty decent performance with the ball today. Got some valuable runs this morning too. He is looking like the real deal. He's going to be uh, around for a long, long time for South Africa, and uh, he picked up a big wicket this morning. That's right. He was overnight six not out. He ended up on 22, faced 42 balls, he hit three fours, and vital in adding there was 45 runs this morning. And then with the ball, I mean, he opened the bowling, and that was the right thing to do because whenever Morkel has played, he's actually come in first change. And uh, he was devastating with the ball. Whilst he did all of that, David Warner got away with a streaky shot, and then he muddled a few, including one pop that went into the second tier of the members' stand. And he seemed to be uh, finding his uh, touch with Warner. And then it took something quite spectacular from Rabada to remove him. And although he went for uh, close to 30 runs in uh, a spell of four or five overs, uh, the fact that he got that wicket uh, and the fact that Warner was playing so, so, so strongly and so fluently uh, was vital for the South Africans. And that's why I say for most of the day, South Africa were very much on top. They seemed to take wickets. They did take wickets at regular intervals. There was only one partnership that did happen. And that was between Marsh and um, uh, Marsh and Bancroft. And uh, apart from that, there wasn't much to show. So uh, Rabada certainly, and also what he's done now, is he's so confident with his speed that uh, he's not shy to bowl at full tilt for a good spell. And that just shows that he has gas and uh, uh, he, he knows how to use it. And he used it very well today. He picked up, what's it, one, uh, he picked up three wickets. So uh, excellent going for him. Absolutely. Aslam Kota, as always, great to catch up. Well, we look forward to your coverage throughout the weekend here on uh, SAFM. Uh, thanks for that, uh, and have a great weekend. Enjoy the rest of the match. Thank you very much. Looking forward to it. SAFM Sports Wrap. On to some Formula One now, and it is the start of a brand new season. There's been lots of talk in the off-season about uh, changes, which we'll touch on uh, in a moment, but it's great to welcome back onto SAFM Sports Trap this evening, Natalie Leclue. Natalie, welcome back. Uh, it's the end of March, and I'm saying Happy New Year to you. Yeah, it's fantastic to be <laughs> back because it means one thing. It's time for Formula One again. Absolutely, and it all starts down under in Australia this weekend. So we've seen some action today, uh, P1 and P2. How did how did things look uh, on the opening day of the season? Both of those sessions were topped unsurprisingly by Lewis Hamilton, but i got to tell you something, though. In the second session, the other teams, the names of like, 
the names like Red Bull and Ferrari definitely close the gap to Mercedes. Whether that's a true reflection of what we're going to see for the rest of the weekend and indeed the rest of the season, obviously we're going to have to wait and see. But from early indications, it looks like it might be quite a competitive one this weekend. Was I mean, coming into the season, obviously, like you say, the Mercedes are, are the favourites. Did, did we expect them to be as far ahead as they were in, in P1, or was that pretty much par for the course? I think it is. I think a lot of teams were just trying to find their feet. Uh, you know, pre-season testing was a little bit uh, of, a, of a difficult one to read. That first week, of course, was completely nullified by the cold weather. So they really only had five days. Uh, on which they could focus w- with these new cars. So I think the first session we saw in Australia was just a bit feeling where they were with a car, going through some setup changes or setup work, rather, and so on. And I think in P2, maybe they started to hit their stride a little bit more. I've been uh, following the action a bit on social media, and uh, obviously I follow a lot of uh, sports people, and uh, friends of mine are big Formula One fans, and I don't know if it's just human nature that uh, that people don't like change, but uh, man, I've seen some whining about the new halos uh, on both Twitter and Facebook. You, your thoughts? Tell us a little bit about what, what the change is and, and, and your thoughts, Natalie. Yeah, the halo, of course, is the new head protection system that's been introduced to Formula One this year as purely a safety precaution as well. Now, okay, granted, it's not the most aesthetically pleasing uh, appendage to a Formula One car we've ever seen introduced, but we have to take into consideration that it has the potential to save somebody's life, and this is, of course, the most important consideration. Now, if you put that aside just for a second, of course, the people have an argument who says that, you know, this is not uh, very nice to look at. However, I have to be honest, Brad, and say they don't look half as bad uh, as I really expected them to look. I think Ferrari's halo, which they've painted the, the, the traditional Ferrari red, looks quite nice. Uh, and I also think, at the end of the day, it's not going to change Formula One. It's never going to touch or take away or minimize the essence of Formula One, which is the bravery that goes on in those cockpits. These are still the world's best drivers racing in the world's premier racing series, and nothing is going to change that. Do, do you think they're going to change performance of the cars much? Lewis Hamilton was saying that uh, they're heavy and the cars are extremely heavy. Do you think we're going to see much much change in performance because of it? I think these cars are predicted already, of course, to be around 1.5 seconds faster than last year. And, of course, that that goes hand-in-hand with the fact that the regulations have stayed pretty stagnant from 2017. So these cars are more an evolution uh, than a revolution as compared to last year's cars. So the halo, of course, will add weight to the car. But when has Formula One ever been struggling to adapt to regulations. I mean, these guys are absolutely uh, geniuses and artists who work and develop and design these cars. So they will most definitely find a way around this, and it seems they already have. It's all coming to us from Melbourne this weekend. So from a timing perspective, uh, it's it's morning session. So what can we expect time-wise from, from P3 and qualifying tomorrow than the race on Sunday? It's a bright and early start if you want to tune in P3 tomorrow, which is at 5 a.m. SA time. Then the most important session of the day, qualifying, is at 8 a.m. And then the race starts 10 minutes after 7. That gives the broadcasters a little bit of time to do a little build-up. And then we get going for 53 laps around Melbourne's Albert Park circuit. Should be fantastic. Natalie LeCou, as always, great to catch up. We'll have updates uh, both on Saturday and Sunday afternoon on SAFM Sports Special with John Carricker. Make sure you tune in there. Natalie, have a great weekend and enjoy the racing. Will do. Thank you. SAFM Sports Wrap.
On to some super rugby now, and it wasn't uh, the best of starts for the South African sides this weekend. Two of them in action uh, and two losses. Craig Ray joins us now. Craig, disappointing from both the Bulls and the Sharks. Absolutely. I mean, the Bulls, I suppose you expected they were going to go down to the Crusaders. That was never going to be a winnable game for them. But you, the Sharks are just imploding, aren't they? They're, they're dreadful at the moment. And uh, the Rebels absolutely thrashed them. First ever victory over the Sharks, and they made it a big one as well. And you've got to start asking questions seriously about what's going on with the Durban franchise because they really do look like their season's coming off the rails. The Bulls at least look like they're trying to change the way they play. They look to have a bit of a plan. And it's not all coming off at the moment. They try to play a bit too much rugby in terrible conditions in in uh, Christchurch. You know, they, they were playing almost as if it was a, a dry, high-fast day rather than a wet Christchurch evening. But um, the Sharks, I don't really know. They don't seem to have a plan. They haven't evolved their game. They, they, they're playing one-off runners, bashing it up, and really not doing anything uh, with the ball. Whereas the, whereas the Bulls are at least offloading in the tackle and looking like they're trying to change the way they play. So... Yeah, you get the feeling something's happening in Pretoria, but nothing's happening in Durban. Absolutely. The two scores there, the Bulls going down 33-14, the Sharks 46-14. Craig, we've said this every time a South African team goes on tour, that the Australian games, if they are going to win on the road, the Australian games are, are the ones they need to target. Uh, and and the Sharks never looked once like they were going to win today. No, and uh, you know it's just not going to get any easier for them as the tour goes on. No, they didn't look like winning. They went down early, 10-0, and... They never recovered. So I think Robert Dupree has got a lot of questions that he's got to answer there. And, yeah, you just got to wonder what. I can't quite put my finger on it because on paper they've got a decent side. They've got a good pack of forwards. They've got some exciting backs. It's Lukanya Am and Kerwin Bosch and Spoo and Corsi and players like that. And Robert Dupree Jr., who was very good for Western Province and the Stormers last year. And uh, suddenly, you know, none of these guys look like they know how to play rugby anymore. Yeah, it is concerning indeed. Let's look ahead to tomorrow's uh, some some strange fixtures. First one, the Sunwolves up against uh, the Chiefs. Uh, not one I don't think to, to wake up for. The next game, absolutely. The Hurricanes up against the Highlanders at the Westpac. Uh, these uh, New Zealand derbies are always great. And then the Stormers, who, who had a fantastic game last week. We were really worried about them with the flu doing the rounds. They put in a, a superb performance. They host the Reds tomorrow afternoon at Newlands. Yeah, that's going to be a good game, I think. Yeah, the Stormers' big challenge now is to back it up. You know, they were fantastic last week. There was no doubt about it against all the adversity they faced in the build-up. But their key now is can they do it two weeks in a row? And I often find with the Stormers, they actually play some very good rugby against New Zealand teams. I know they lose, they lose a lot of games against them, but they, they actually do play some good rugby. But against Australian teams, they, they struggle. They just seem to you know, be dragged down to the to the level of the Australian teams, if that makes sense. So for them, the big challenge tomorrow is to produce a similar performance to the one they gave last week and show that you know it wasn't a one-off. They need to start showing the consistency. And uh, they've had to make a few changes in selection this week. And yeah, Dylan Lade's going down with an injury, a calf muscle tear. That's a bit of a blow. So Craig Barry starts to pull back for the first time. Um, you know, that could alter things because Lade's one thing he does do for the Stormers is come in as first receiver quite a lot on attack and plays as almost an auxiliary fly-off in their attacking plays. So that will be... Yeah, a slight change in tactic for them. But uh, other than that, they've got a good pack of forwards. And if they switched on as they were last week, it should be a, a comfortable afternoon for them.
Yeah, a team who hasn't looked too comfortable the last two weeks. They started the season like a house on fire, but the last two weeks uh, also they, they seem a bit rattled. They lost to the Blues last minute two weeks ago. They they narrowly beat the Sunwolves last week. They've got a trip to South America to take on the Jaguars, the Lions. Uh, what's happening at the Lions, Greg? <laughs> well, like we discussed, I think, last week, they just may be going through a little bit of a slump. I don't think you should start panicking about them. They're still winning, even though they're struggling. Um, but well, they didn't win obviously two weeks ago, but they did win last week in a, in a game where they didn't play well. Uh, the Jaguars game's always been a tough one for the Lions. The last two seasons, they've sort of given it away um, when they've had to. And you know, it's it's one of those tricky fixtures. You know, in Argentina, you just don't know what you're going to get from the Jaguars. Again, it's one of those games the Lions on paper should win this game, um, but we've seen in the past that they struggle in Argentina, and we've seen the Jaguars either produce a great performance uh, or fall apart completely like they did last week uh, to lose to the Reds. So, you know, you never know what you're going to get from the Argentinian team either. So it's a difficult one to call that one. Absolutely. We'll, we'll have updates for you this weekend on SAFM Sports Special uh, from Newlands. Craig Ray, thank you very much uh, for that analysis. Uh, enjoy the rugby this weekend and we look forward to catching up again soon. Thanks, Brad. SAFM Sports Wrap. On to some cycling now here on SAFM Sports Wrap at the Absa Cape Epic in Wellington this evening is Jeff Ailiff. Jeff, it was the time trial today. The cyclists must have thought they were working half day, but uh, even though it was short, it was a scorcher of a day today. Brad, good evening. It was brutal. It, uh, that's really the only word that can describe it. And yeah, there, there was a number of cyclists that set off on the start line this morning, possibly feeling a, a little a little overconfident. And in fact, it was interesting because a number of guys that I spoke to and a number of the girls, I said, what is your strategy? Are you going full gas today or are you just going to take it as a rest day, as a recovery day? And a number of them, obviously, towards the back of the field are saying, well, you know, it's been tough up to now, so we're going to rather treat this as a recovery day. The pros are obviously all going full gas. But uh, as we know, with these mountain bike cups, once they get going, the recovery day goes out the window and they're going to go full gas. And the heat claimed a big toll today. Uh, the first day on the Absolute Epic that we had um, sort of drama on the finish line where there was just a, a bunch of people that didn't make the cutoff that had their numbers uh, clipped. And, uh, but at the end of the day, uh, it was once again Investec Songo Specialized, the, the Czech Express driving from the front, Yaroslav Kuhari. And uh, what an amazing sight to see him on those uh, sort of dirt, uh, trails at full cry with uh, little Howard Gotts, like a little jockey, just desperately hanging on to the, the back wheel of Yaroslav Kuhavi. Uh, they caught Cannondale Factory Racing, who started three minutes ahead of them in the time trial. They went past them, and uh, they just left them for dead, and a uh, very disappointed uh, Cannondale team came in. Canyon Topic, Alban Lakata, and Christian Heineck was second um, until, sorry, it was Texela San Marco that was second in the time trial. Uh, Fabian Rabensteiner and Michele Casagrande from Italy. But um, it is Canyon Topic that keep their, their uh, second overall on the, on the uh, GC. Third today was Canyon Topic's Alban Lakata and uh, Christian Heineck uh, of the, the Czech Republic. So a big lead now for Yaroslav Kulhavi in the men's GC. They're now seven minutes and 15 seconds out front and looking pretty unstoppable. Yeah. Speaking of unstoppable one-way traffic in the ladies' race again. Absolutely, and I think very strongly now that uh, Investec Songo Specialized are now going to put a big effort to make a clean sweep of this Absecape Epic. Uh, there was no one once again that could come near them today, Annika Langtal and Kate Courtney. But truth be told, uh, at one stage, it looked as though Sabine Spitz and Robin de Schurt might uh, might 
be uh, ready to to step up and give them a fight. Um, there were certain points on the uh, the time trial course that offenders' health were really a little bit quicker uh, than the uh, than the Investec Songo specialised girls. But uh, in the last few kilometres, um, Annika Langval got onto it again, and Kate Courtney, like how he got did with Yaroslav Kuhavi, Kate Courtney just put her head down, gritted her teeth and just focused on nothing else except the back wheel of Annika. And uh, she just made sure that she hung on to it. Um, it was Ascenders Health in second. And in third place, Silverback KMC, Mariska Strauss and uh, Annie Last. And they're having a really nice, consistent epic. Uh, Mariska Strauss, still full of bubbles, smiling all the time. They, they're really enjoying it. The lead now for uh, the Investic Songo Specialized Ladies, 35 minutes. Uh, and, uh, yeah, who, who would bet against them uh, taking a clean sweep? It keeps on like that. They won't have to pitch up for the last day. Uh, how things looking? How things looking in the African jersey? In the African jersey, uh, it was uh, Nad Mountain Biking NAD Nico Bell and uh, Matt Beers coming back strongly today, which is a good sign. It means that Matt Beers has got over that little bug that he had. Tiger Euro Steel, Matthijs Bukas and Julian Jessup in second uh, on the time trial, just a little a little slower. And then in third place, Mbuka Momsen, uh, Dylan Ribello, and Marco Ujia. But the overall results, Paga, Eurosteel, Matthias Bukas, and Julian Jessup uh, still hanging on to uh, the overall lead now. Extended it to 6 minutes and 12 seconds over Hendrik Kruger and Stuart Murray. And I think uh, Nico Bell and Matt Pierce, despite Matt being strong again, they, they've just lost too much time on the early stages to, to get back into this race. Uh, I saw a little video you posted on social media today, Jeff, uh, with an interview you did with uh, former uh, all-black fly-off Carlos Spencer, uh, and he was talking about how tough this Absa Cape Epic is. Uh, comparing it to all-black rugby, says uh, rugby, international rugby's got nothing on this. Exactly. You know, Carlos has been soldiering it out, and I've seen him out on the course quite a few times, um, but he's a, he's a tough man. You know, and that's the one thing that, that one sees these international rugby players and these international sportsmen. And there's a certain headspace that these guys go into when they do sport that, that explains why they are as good as, as what they are at, at international rugby because they, that carries across into the epic. And I've seen it with John Smith. I've seen it with Big Marius Herta, and I'm seeing it now with, uh, with Carlos Spencer. You know, they, he's hurting, but he just keeps his head down. He keeps grinding. I said, you've obviously been in some really dark places with the All Blacks before. He said, mate, nothing. Absolutely nothing. Uh, he says this is international rugby. He's got nothing on this race. But uh, he's, he's having a lot of fun. And the other big, other interesting thing is he's been hanging around the VIP area with no shirt on. And uh, the, the, the ladies in the VIP, the ads for VIP, I have been <laughs> loving it. It's been the highlight of their day. <laughs> he also did say that uh, you've got to have some mongrel dog in you if you want to finish this thing. But uh, let's talk about bicycles now, Jeff. You got to, to ride a pretty special one today. I did, you know, and it was kind of cheeky of me to ask, but uh, Investec Songo specialized the bikes that have been ridden by Annika Langval and Yaroslav Kruhavi are one of a kind. It's the S-Work specialized. You can't buy them over the counter from any shop. They are made and custom-fitted and made for Yaro and for Annika, and they've got beautiful artwork. Uh, Annika's bike's got uh, really amazing artwork on with the names of all the Songo, the, the young Songo development riders at the Songo um, dot info Foundation and to whom these UCI riders are such an inspiration. And what's happening is Songo.info are arranging an auction once you have finished the, or once the Absolute Cape Epic's done. And it's quite likely now that you're going to be able to buy on auction the winning bike. Um, and on Monday at 12 p.m., these bikes go on auction, songo.info forward slash bike auction. 
2018. And you can, uh, the, the auction starts at 100,000 rand and it goes up in increments of 5,000 rand from, from there on out. So, and at the end of the four days, the top two people that have auctioned get to auction off against one another on the telephone and all the winning, all the auction money, the winning monies gets donated to Songo Rodinto. So it's all going to a good cause. So I had a little chat with Annika about the auction and she told me a little about her bike and uh, <laughs> quite cheekily afterwards, I just sort of said to her, as more as a joke, I said, you know what, Annika, you guys are so far ahead and um, you know it's, you, you're really not going to lose this thing now you've got to let me take this bike for a ride and she turned around and she said please take it jump on and the mechanic whipped it off the rack and uh, I got to ride this one of a kind S-Works belonging to Annika Lundfold the Olympic champion's bike around the bike park uh, much to the envy of everyone was like looking at me saying what the hell is this guy doing on Annika's bike it was, it was uh, amazing though <laughs> Were you as fast on it as she is or is it all about Annika it's got nothing to do with the bike I, you know, I don't want to say this too loudly, but I was faster. <laughs> <laughs> Nowhere near, Brad. Nowhere near. Jeff Aylam, as always, great to catch up. Thanks for the update. We'll catch up again to, uh, tomorrow on SAFN Sports Special. Uh, and then the grand finale on Sunday. It's going to be uh, fantastic. Uh, if you are uh, th- around the Western Cape, get to Valdivie. Uh, it's one of the most special days you can see in any sport. Uh, the courage, particularly, of uh, the backmarkers coming over in the celebrations. I get goosebumps just talking about it. Jeff Aylam, as always, great to catch up. Thanks for, for the updates. Thanks, Brad. Look forward to chatting tomorrow. SAFM Sports Wrap. Before we do go, though, there's that uh, World Cup qualifying tournament uh, cricket that's happening in Zimbabwe at the moment. Uh, And I can tell you that Afghanistan have qualified for next year's World Cup as Captain Ashkar Stanikazi uh, played through the pain barrier to produce a heroic innings and lead them to a five-wicket victory over Ireland. Stanikazi returned to the team last week for the closing stages of the qualifying tournament after having surgery to remove his appendix. He battered in obvious pain and with uh, heavy dressing under his shirt to score an unbeaten 39 of 29 balls as he saw the team home with five balls to spare. Incredible innings. So Afghanistan going to next year's World Cup. And that's it for SAFM Sports Wrap for this week. We're back again on Monday. SAFM Sports Special coming your way tomorrow afternoon between 3 and 7 and then Sunday between 4 and 6 they'll be having cricket updates from Newlands in Cape Town where the Proteas continue to do battle with Australia also some super rugby action as uh, the Stormers uh, take to Newlands tomorrow afternoon as well the Apsa Cape Epic and a whole lot more make sure you tune in with John Carricker I'll be back again on Monday have yourself a superb weekend coming up on the other side of 7 o'clock it is the Friday edition to my team in Johannesburg thank you very much uh, for today Zalma and Loyola have a great weekend and we'll chat again on Monday 7 o'clock in time for your news